Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. Vision Sunday today. Uh, Welcome to it. We're about to get started. So, um... Let me start with, with this. Every year we do something kind of different. Sometimes we start with prayer and fasting. Uh, we've done 21 days of prayer and fasting. If you're new to Grace Avenue and you're like, what is that? Well, that was a few years ago. We may bring it back, so just be ready. But uh, we fasted for 21 days together as a church and, and prayed together. And we started off the year with new ministries and new projects and new initiatives and, and just different ministries we're kicking off. We're always focusing on what we're doing. This year, I wanted to change it up just a little bit. And rather than focus on what we're doing as a church, because we're always doing something, I really wanted to bring it back to the heart of why we do what we do. And I wanted to bring Vision Sunday to a place where I talked to you this morning about who we are and really why we do the things we do. Is that okay? I wanted to explain it to you like this. If, if you could define Grace Avenue, how would you define it? Like if you moved away to another state and somebody asked you, what church did you go to? And you said, Grace Avenue Church. And you said, well, what, what is that church really about? What is it like? Could you define it and describe it besides, oh, it's nice, it's this, it's that? What could you really describe as the heartbeat and the pulse of this community, of who we are, of what God has put us on this earth here to do. I want to talk about some of those things today. So let me start with a story. Um, Long ago, this is about 10 plus years ago, um, the long story short of it is I was in a season where uh, Janelle and I were both in a season where it was just kind of like we didn't know what was next. Have you ever been there? Like, okay, I'm I'm living. I woke up this morning. I'm breathing. Uh, Some stuff's happened, but I have no clue what's next. And at that time, there were no crumbs for me to follow. There, were no, there was no trail. I didn't really have a sense of uh, a vision or understanding about maybe where God was leading. And, uh, you know, there was nothing in my life that would have pointed towards this being something that I had brought upon myself or anything like that. I literally was just wondering, how do I make the most of what's ahead? Where do I go? Well, what do I do? What, all these question marks around me. How do I make, make decisions for the future? And so at that time, I, I, I couldn't grab onto a lot of things, but I could grab onto this one thing. And this is what I want to talk to you about today. It's, I grabbed on this sense of living with expectation. I, I chose in my heart without really any handlebars to grab onto, with anything to really brace myself with, I just basically buried down and said, okay, what can I really focus on? And it was the seed of expectation in my heart. Now, let me explain to you what I mean by expectation. Expectation, the definition of it is a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. Now, let me tell you what I meant by that. I didn't mean that I knew what God was going to do. I didn't, I didn't know what was ahead. I didn't know what was ahead for a year, five years, 10 years. Here we are 10 years later. I didn't know any of that. So my expectation was not in something specific I thought was going to happen. My expectation was in God to make something happen. There was something in me that said somehow, some way, God is going to take the, the broken pieces and the confusion of what's happening right now, and he's going to build something out of it for his glory and for his purpose through my life. I, I, was, I was committed to not sitting on the sidelines and just saying, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what to do. Everything in my life was pointing towards that. I'm an emotional guy, right, if you couldn't tell. And 
my emotions were just pushing me to feel this, this sense of despair and discouragement and, and to not be able to climb out of this and to just, just kind of throw in the towel. And I just, I just really had to lean on this sense of living with expectation. And it's something that really, really pulled me out of that, that hole I was in. And the, the, the challenge with it is I had to do that because I had my wife and at the time my, my, my newborn daughter. You know, you, you can't live your life as an experiment when you have responsibilities. You can't test the waters of your emotions and just say, well, I don't know what's going to happen. I guess I'll just stay here. There's mouths to feed. There's people to lead. There's things. You, you, as a man, you're bringing your family along. You don't have time to sulk. You don't have time to stay discouraged. You don't have time to do that. You have to make decisions. And you have to make decisions with a sense of expectation that God is going to take what you're, you're going through right now. He's going to move you forward. Psalm 62 says this, my soul... He's talking to his soul. My soul, wait in silence for God alone, for my expectation is from him. My expectation was not landing in uh, this job happening or that money coming my way or this situation working out. My expectation was in God. God, who are you in this season? Who are you in this mess? Who are you in this confusion? What are you doing? And what do you want to say? Isaiah chapter 30 Verse 21, this is probably, you've heard me preach on this verse before. It's one of my favorite verses ever. It's something that I think has guided Janelle and I both for for years. And um, I, I love it because it says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Let me say that again. Whether you turn to the right or you turn to the left, your ears, your spirit, your soul is going to hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Now, I, I love that because the beauty and the power of that is that it's giving us hope when facing the unknown. It, it gives me a sense of understanding that when I'm moving forward in life and I can't see what's ahead, the voice behind me, even though I can't see him, he can see me. Even though I don't know where I'm going, He's behind me. He knows where I'm going. He knows what he wants to say to me in the confusion. And so one evening I took my phone and I just pulled it out and I started just typing these things that I just felt God was impressing upon my spirit. And I did that because I, lo I love Jeremiah 33, 3 that says, call to me and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. And there was a whole lot in that season that I did not know. So I said, God, I'm calling to you. What do you want to say? What do you want to do? I sat and I started writing things out. Now, I've never shared these with anyone. This is over 10 years ago. I've never shared these with anyone, only my wife. She's the only one who's ever seen this. And I think I only showed you once, like 10 years ago. We really haven't talked about it much then or, or taken a look at them. But as I, I pulled these out recently, just at some point last year, what I recognized was something really phenomenal. These things that I wrote down actually embody the culture of Grace Avenue Church. Everything we are it's everything that I wrote down at that time. Uh, these things describe the type of ministries we have, why we do the type of ministries we do, the types of leaders that we have, then promote the type of spirit and atmosphere that we carry as a church, the values that we esteem, the heart behind why we do what we do. These are everything that explain the heartbeat and the pulse of why we are who we are as a church. I want you to understand them. I was not typing them already knowing that they were going to happen. I was typing them 
from a place of expectation. I was living with expectation. There was no Grace Avenue Church. There was no idea for Grace Avenue Church. There was not even a thought about Grace Avenue Church. There was nothing that would even point me to think that these things that I was writing down that really didn't make a lot of sense to me. In fact, for years they stayed in that old email address. And until recently I opened it back up again. But I see that in a, in a season of unknown, God was showing me what he already knew. I ended up writing seven sentences about a culture that I saw. And I want to share these with you today. Number one, I wrote down a culture that invites people of all nations into its doors. A, a culture that invites people of all nations into its doors. Well, I, I, I just kind of phrase that as an invite the world culture. Now, why is that important for us as a church? Well, two words I want you to focus on. Number one, invite. And number two is nations. The first word invite is this. Jesus was an inviter. If you think about it, Jesus invited people to follow him. He invited people to rest in him when they were weary. He invited people to trust him when they don't know where they're going. He invited people to follow him. He invited people to abide in him. He invited people to remain in him once they were following him and once they were abiding in him. Jesus was always invited. Jesus invited people to dinner. I think they'd be pretty cool having dinner with Jesus. Jesus went as far as to invite himself to people's houses for dinner. Remember Zacchaeus? He's, uh, you're saved. Everything's good. By the way, we're having tacos tonight, 7 o'clock, your house. I'll be there. I mean, Jesus was an inviter. He was always invited. And I just think if Grace Avenue Church is going to be a church that represents the heart of Jesus Christ, man, we've got to be people that are inviters. We've got to be people that invite people to coffee and to, and to lunch and into our homes and into our lives. We've got to be people who invite people to church and invite people to connect groups and invite people to serve on our teams. Not just looking at people, wondering why their, their life is the way it is, but really taking a stand and being intentional about inviting them to discover more about Jesus. Second word is nations. Why is that important? Because in Scripture, we understand, for God so loved the world the world a global view i believe we're called to be a church it's not just a local view not just a neighborhood view not just a city view but to really have a world view because god loved the world jesus came for the world have you ever thought about what heaven might look like have you ever thought for a second about just the idea of of who might be in heaven what it might look like most of us think it's going to be people that we like <laughs> and just people that we get along with and people that we agree with. But I want to show you Revelation chapter 7. It says, after this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. This is eternity. And from every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Man, is that powerful? I mean, does that give you an understanding, a sense that the holiness of eternity, the vastness and, the, and how wide and broad it is, it's far bigger than your neighborhood. It's far bigger than your political party. It's far, far bigger than, than your pack of friends, people you agree with. It's bigger and broader than that I think many of us can even imagine. What I'm saying is heaven is going to be diverse. Eternity is going to be bigger than who you know and who you agree with. 
And this is something that we've always understood as a church. Since, since the beginning, we have invested in so tens of thousands of dollars. I'm talking tens of thousands of dollars into local ministries, global ministries, missionaries, Cuba, Haiti, Mexico, all kinds of places, benevolence, all kinds of opportunities, helping uh, impoverished uh, areas of town here and on the other side of the world, uh, helping people with stocking outreaches, bike outreach. We've always had a worldview. Now, this is important for you to understand because if you're committed to a church and, and, and you have a small view, then this probably isn't going to be a good fit for you because we always want to be reaching who God has called us to reach, who God's heart is for, which is the world. Is that okay to say? Okay. Number two, a culture that equips people to lead and be effective in all spheres of life. I remember typing this out. A culture that really, you know, equips people to lead and be effective in all spheres of life. Why all spheres of life? Many people compartmentalize their life. That church is just a place where they learn spiritual things, where they learn how to pray more or worship more. Well, once you get that down, I hope church has something more to say to you besides that. Because a whole lot more of life requires me understanding God's heart behind decisions that I have to make. Like parenting and marriage and finances and decision making and wisdom and and choices and relationships and, and how my life impacts the world and all the things that make up a human life. And the Apostle Paul didn't just pray for people's spiritual lives. He prayed for their whole life. He said this, I pray that you prosper in all things just as your soul prospers. So he's praying for the spiritual side. He's saying, I'm praying for your soul to prosper in Christ, but I'm also praying for you to prosper in all things. I want you to prosper in marriage. I want you to prosper in your finances. I want you to prosper in your communication and, and, and seeing some of the habits that you have that are self-defeating, defeating, be broken so that you can be restored and that you can start living from a place where you're prospering in those areas of life. Man, that's something that we're passionate about. This is why we're doing Thrive Sundays next month, because relationships affect everybody. You can love Jesus all you want, but at the end of the day, you still got to deal with people. And people are complex. Jesus is easy. People are complex. Can I get an amen? And in relationships, it's not as easy as one, two, three. It's just trying to make something work with people. It takes time. It takes understanding. But that's next month. All thrive. You'll enjoy that. But here's why we're saying this in all spheres of life. Because God has given you a place of influence. It may be with your child or children. It may be at a store that you, you run, a team that you manage, a company. It may be as a student. Uh, you may be in, in a place or a position where, where you're affecting people. And the reality of that is that that's a sphere of influence that you have. And it's our responsibility, we believe as a church, to help you be effective in those areas of life so that your light shines as God calls it to shine. Does that make sense? Let me, let me try and convince you this way in case you're not convinced. What good are we if we can't speak hope, health, and healing to the areas of your life that you need help in? What good are we as a church if all we can tell you is, well, just pray about it. Just pray about it. We want to give you some practical things to help you. Here's number three. A culture that is committed to living out a devoted and passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. We call that a devoted and passionate culture. Devoted and passionate. Why devoted? Why that word devoted? Well, think about this. Jesus called people not to emotion. He called them to devotion. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Okay, well, that's going to take a lot. 
Love him with all your soul. Okay, well, that takes even more. Love him with all your mind. Okay, well, we, nobody knows what's going on in my mind but me, so I got to love him with that too. And love the Lord your God with all your strength. I think that's kind of a lifetime job I'm going to have to be working on, right? But when people tried to trick Jesus, the Pharisees, they came up to him and said, what's most important? They said, tell us what is most important. He said, I'll sum it up for you. I can't give you one thing, but I can give you two things. Number one, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He put them together because you can't do one without the other. You can't say you love God and not love people, and he calls us to be devoted. Second Corinthians says this, and he died for all. So that they who live might no longer live for themselves, that's us, but for him who died and rose again. In other words, something's supposed to have clicked already where we get the big picture that it's not about us. That our business is not about us. That our dreams are not about us. That our goals are not about us. That everything we're achieving and and pointing towards has this God factor in it. And that the bullseye is not really what I want, but really what God's doing And unless we hear his voice, we'll be trying to hit and aiming for different bullseye each each few years. Well, maybe it's this and, and maybe it's that. Hey, let me just suggest this to you. Maybe it's God. Maybe it's God drawing you to himself to say, there's something more I'm trying to show you here. As gifted as you are. As, as incredible as you are, as educated as you are, as much as you've been through, I still want to point you in a direction that's going to lead you to life and lead others to life. Here's number four, a culture that understands that loving one another is the evidence that God is leading our lives. You ever met somebody that says they're a Christian and they're like one of the meanest people in the world? I went to this store one time and this guy was having like a, a blowout sale of all this like uh, technology and equipment and the stuff like he didn't know. But at the time I, I played music. So I had a whole uh, like a apartment full. This is pre-marriage days when Janelle said that's got to go. But there was a whole room devoted to music and music equipment and stuff. And I would play and play stuff in there. You remember that, Brad? And Brenda made you get rid of it, too, huh? Yeah, we need counseling, man. That wasn't cool. We could be rock stars by now, man. We could be rich and famous. These wives ruined it for us. But there was this guy, and I walked into this store, and I thought it was going to be like updated equipment, but it was all old school, no technology that was within the last five years. It was all stuff that was 12, 15 years old. And I remember going in there, and this guy had pictures of Jesus is the Lord of all, and Jesus is this. And I thought, oh, this dude's a Christian. Cool. Well, maybe, you know, maybe he's going to get, you know, be a nice guy. Well, he starts telling me nothing. He doesn't know that I know anything. He starts telling me lies, lies and lies and lies about all this crap that he's selling there in this store for like these ridiculous prices, 10 times higher than they should be. And I remember just sitting here thinking like, okay, you're not really behaving like Jesus. And my blood is starting to boil and I don't really want to behave like Jesus. I kind of want to behave like Jesus when he pulled at that whip and started whipping people. And I don't have a whip, but I'm willing to do what he did, go make a whip and bring it back in the store and tear you up right now. I'm sitting here thinking this. And then of course the Holy Spirit gave me comfort and peace. And I walked out. And I wasn't arrested that day. But, but here's what I learned. Not everybody is representing Jesus the way he wants to be represented. There's nothing I can do about that. But I can do something about me. And we want to be people that are loving towards others. In John chapter 13, he said, by this, not by how much money you make, 
Not by what car you drive, not by your education, not by what you've accomplished, not even what you're dreaming. He said, by this one thing, people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Now, we could talk about that all day because it's easy to talk about love, but man, it's really difficult to show love to people when you want to take a whip to them when they've been lying to you, trying to rip you off. Amen? We want to be a church that's known for our love. We want to be the church that's known for not giving up on people when everyone else gives up on them. We want to be the church that keeps believing the best about people when they're still believing the worst about themselves. We want to be the church that extends grace to people when they've run out of grace in their own mind and their heart for their own brokenness. We want to keep believing. Why? Because somebody kept believing for you, and we're going to keep believing for others. In Jesus' name. Amen? You could clap for that one because that one's for him. Plus, I needed some water. First Corinthians 13, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Guys, that's not just for weddings. That's for life. And that's, that's what we're called to. We're called to a life of love. We're called to lay down sometimes just our, our attitudes and our agendas and just love in spite of what's, what's coming against us. Here's number five, a culture that embraces the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. A culture, now remember, this is pre-Grace Avenue, 10 plus years ago, okay? I didn't know I was describing but it, Grace Avenue, but if you look at this, this very much is Grace Avenue. We're very much a spirit-led church. It, it, we're a culture that embraces the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. And, and if you've never had an upbringing with, with uh you know, healthy, proper teaching on the Holy Spirit, then you can have all kinds of wacky stuff that doesn't make sense. But what I want to help you understand is that the Holy Spirit is something very central to the leading of your life. In John 15, 16, and 17, before Jesus goes to be crucified, and he's spending these last moments with his disciples, he's talking to them, and he literally tells them this. He says, it's good that I go because when I go, the Holy Spirit will come, and it's him that will lead you and guide you into all truth. Not a rule book. Not a list of principles. It's the Holy Spirit, the life, the person of the Holy Spirit that comes to every believer that receives the salvation of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit doesn't just go to spiritual people or nice people. When a person receives the Lord as their Savior, Scripture tells us. I mean, hey, I don't know how it works, but it works. And God says this, that the Spirit comes into our lives and begins His dwelling place in our heart. And from that place, our mind begins to change. Our heart towards circumstances begins to change. Our decisions start to change. Our choices start to change. Our mindset, our mouth, the way we look at things, the way we treat people, this all starts to happen because the Spirit is leading us into truth. The truth of who Jesus is, not the truth of just what we've grown up with or what we've experienced. But what I'm saying is there should be a tug of war in your life regarding some things from your past. It should almost feel like you're being pulled out of mindsets and attitudes and places in your heart of unforgiveness because God isn't wanting to dwell there. He isn't wanting to dwell in that pool of unforgiveness or bitterness. He's pulling you towards. I'm not saying it's easy, but all of us have a different road to walk. But nevertheless, it's the same spirit that's calling us all to be, calling us all to be more like Jesus. When it comes to living a spirit-led life, we're following a person, not a program. We're dependent upon a relationship, not a rule book. 
We're learning how to be faithful, not fearful. Psalm chapter 143 says, teach me to do your will for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. When I sat on that bench over 10 years ago, confused, not knowing what was ahead, it was God's spirit that led me and guided me through that season. I was living with expectation that God was going to direct the path of my life. I didn't have anything to grab onto but expectation, hope, faith, trust. God is in this. My feelings are all over the place, but my faith is in where God is, right here in this moment. Number six, a culture that understands that people are God's most precious possession. We think that's a given, but think about how much value we place on cars, houses, clothes, things we're saving, things in the garage. Oh, don't throw that away. It's been collecting dust for 17 years, but don't throw it away. I might wear it someday. You know, it's like, like we, we place value on these things. And, and you know what God places most value on? People. People. So much so that he died so that we could be free. He gave us his freedom. There are plenty of things that we find valuable. Technology, clothing, cars, our achievements, our goals, the things we're reaching for, our possessions, what we work so hard for, but what's most valuable, please don't forget this in your pursuits in life. Go for everything you want in life, but please remember, it's all about God and people. It's all about loving God, and it's all about showing people his life and his love. Romans 5 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we still had it messed up, before we even had a thought in our minds about God, God was already thinking about us. God is already thinking he would save my parents who would then lead me in a way that would save me, who then I would then lead others in a way that saves them. You never know what's behind your decision to love God. You never know what's behind your decision. Whatever you value, whatever you spend time, talent, money, energy on, God generously and sacrificially gave up his son. This is why we call people to serve. This is a serving church. If you don't like to serve, you won't like it around here. This is why we call people to give. If you're, if you're like, I don't want to go to any church that talks about money, this is not the church for that. We don't manipulate anybody. We don't pressure people, but we do call people to a biblical understanding of tithing. And then we call people to generous and sacrificial giving. Nobody's forced to, but if people want to, we call them to that. Because that's what Jesus did. That's the heart of the believer. That's the heart of Jesus. It's not, well, here's just what you get and that's all you get. Jesus gave all. Boy, it got real quiet when I started talking about money in here. I'm going to do a whole series on money next, next week. See, part of our responsibility as a, as a church is to help people mature. Like it talks about in Ephesians, in Ephesians 4, from this mindset of just receiving and learning how to hourly start giving the things that God is doing in us. What good is information if there's no application? If it's not working out in our lives? Everybody says we need to be generous. Well, where is it operating in your life? Everybody, we all got to sacrifice it. Well, where is it operating in your life? 
Where, where is it coming from? Martin Luther said this, that the last thing to be converted is a person's wallet. Oh, man. That's a good slap for us, all right? And a lot of times that's true. That the hardest thing for us, this is why Jesus talks so much about money in the New Testament. About helping people understand. This is the thing that keeps people from experiencing the life that he wants them to experience. Because it's this that has a grip on people. Here's number seven. A culture that reaches out to the lost, the hurting, the broken. And shows them unconditional love and acceptance. Let me say that. Unconditional love and acceptance. We call this a reaching out culture. What do I mean by that? Does that mean that we accept and validate every person's sin on the earth and that we say that there's nothing? No, of course not. It means everybody is welcome in this place in the name of Jesus. What do you mean everybody? Every single person on the face of the earth, whatever they've gone through, whatever they welcome, right? Unless they're not allowed to be here because of legal reasons. That's their business. We still greet them in the name of Jesus. We don't greet them in the name of their political party. We don't greet them in the name of their past. We don't greet them in the name of their mistakes. But here's the thing. This is what, what's different about this than the first one I talked about, which is invitation, is this one is reaching out. This is the part of every believer's life that is so important. This is the part for our church that is so important because Jesus called us to go, not to wait. He said, go into all the world and share the good news of the gospel to people. And baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There's supposed to be a go factor in our lives where we're reaching out. See, a lot of people are waiting for outreach. Instead of that, how about just, let's just be the church that's always reaching out. Instead of just waiting once a year to make a difference at Christmas, how about we just spend our lives and our marriages figuring out, you know, it's the beginning of the year. Let's think as a family how we can bless another family this year. Let's think about how much money we can use to help our neighbors. You know what? So-and-so is having trouble. Let's do something for them. Let's teach our children that this is an opportunity to really sow life into them so that they can learn how to reach out to their friends. See, if we want our kids to be generous, sacrificial, and loving and reaching out, man, they got to see it in our lives. They got to see it. I've, I've told this story before, but I never get tired of telling it. I'll, I'll never forget the time. I mean, it was as simple as a car part. There was a dude who was taking the bus for a long time, and my dad found out. It was one of my brother's friends, and my dad found out that this car had been sitting in the driveway for like six months, and all he needed was an alternator, which I think at the time was like 40, 50 bucks. And I just remember my dad saying, is that all he's waiting for? Oh, man, we can do that. Let, let's just get it. And we got this dude back on the road. It changed his whole life. And it, just something as simple as that. My dad didn't give a million dollars. He just did something for someone. He, he reached out. And he made a difference. There's people in our lives all around us right now that we can be reaching out to. Isaiah chapter 12 says, Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he's done. And proclaim that his name is exalted. We aren't going to be a church of selfish consumers. We're going to be a church of generous contributors. We're not going to be a bunch of people who just attend services and seat warmers and information takers, but we're going to be people who attend to people's lives. This is who we are. This is who we're called to be. And, and maybe today, this is stirring you to give you a little more understanding about who we are as a church and why we do what we do, but I want to tell you more than anything why this is so important. Why this is so important for your life is because all of this came about in a moment and in a season where I didn't know 
what was next. But God did. And the key that unlocked all of it was a sense of expectation. Choosing to live with expectation. Not guarantees, not, not even understanding, not even healing at the time. Just living with expectation. I don't know what's going on. God does. He's going to make something of this for his glory and his purpose. Amen. Come on, let's pray. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.